you want to understand the skills and strategies you need to tell better brand stories? Would you like to understand how to know what content will reach and engage, retain or even convert your audience the way your business goals require? Well, stay tuned. Our special guest is an expert in content strategy, storytelling and so much more. Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyford, the Curly Marketer, Social Media Strategist and Management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. Happy Friday, Emer, and happy birthday to Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, who was born today uh, in 1976. And I'm five years older than Jack Emer. Uh, he's launched Twitter. I'm kind of wondering, where did I go wrong? Um, let me find my list. And I'm not talking <laughs> about a Twitter list. Uh, you have so many other talents. Let me go and find my list. <laughs> yes, get that list, Emer. <laughs> uh, I'll be nice to you today because it's International Men's Day. Oh, fantastic. Well, please be nice. One day of the year is always good that you should be nice to me anyway. But I suppose... Uh, it is, it is, it is your time to shine, isn't it, now, Emer? Well, that's the first, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. A shiny yeah. star. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yes, it's Emer's experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, tips, quizzes, and questions, and all that kind of jazz. So today, we have a little quiz. I kept saying I'll do a quiz, so yeah. I'll do a quiz. Excellent. Okay. Don't worry about it. No pressure. Um, so I have a couple of little questions, and let's see how you are on those. Which social network does not provide users with selfie filters? Ooh, um, well, it must be themed to the day. Could it be Twitter? Correct. It does not provide users for selfies filters. Um, oh, I, yeah, yeah. Oh. I actually had to think about that for a second because I was thinking. Hmm. Mm, I suppose that's very true. Yeah, I suppose mm-hmm. it's one of the, the originals. Yeah. Yeah. So on that tweet uh angle um who holds the title of the most retweeted tweet ever that's a tongue twister retweeted tweet um any guesses i'm not sure probably celebrity would be it is actually it's ellen degeneres degeneres is it generous degeneres Degeneres. Yeah, yeah yeah um she held up until recently the top spot after she had do you remember she was at the academy awards it was about 2016 i think and she was toppled by a 16 year old from nevada um she was tweeting at wendy's asking how many retweets for a free a year of free nugs. I presume that means nuggets. Um, and her her own tweet actually went viral and literally overtook Ellen's. So wow. there you go. The power yeah. of social media. Huh? I know, I know. You don't have to be that famous. You know, it's all in what you say. Yeah. Um, and then another angle um, in which uh, year did Facebook release its reaction emojis? Reaction emojis. Hmm. 2015, 2016? Yeah, yeah, 2016, you're right. Um, cool, yeah. So you do know your dates. I do. Yeah, but then in March 2020, when COVID hit, uh, they brought out the care reaction. You know, they were like the little huggy one. Yes. And it allows people to express their feelings for each other and for frontline workers. That was the main reason um, when it came down to the global lockdown. Right. So uh, Very interesting. there you go. Well, thank you for that. Well, I know 
This next section of the show, which is your particular uh, favorite, will actually have you using the emoji of the hands over the ears. Isn't that right? Yeah. How how did you guess? (laughs) Because (laughs) it's the favorite part of your show. Your show, Emer. Not my show, your show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's the digital giggle. Red alert! Red alert! Emer. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. Let's keep going. Oh, so go on. I'm putting my hands over my face, over my ears. Go on. Okay. What do pirates always want from their digital marketing? I don't know. A positive ROI. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's shocking. Uh, all I can have to say is I think you should walk, walk the plank for that joke, you know? So, yeah. Are there many, actually, do we have any <laughs> pirate emojis? Because I tell you, there'll be a few few going up on Twitter, Twitter think, now, you know? I think so, I think so. Uh, anyway, as ever, if you find today's social media joke anyway engaging and would love more of them, you can actually, yeah, send us a few emojis. Um, you are in luck. You can catch Philip's previous jokes and indeed our other shows by hopping on to the Let's Get Social podcast on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify and the and South FM website. But then again, as I always say, <laughs> swim past in the first three minutes and you'll be grand. <laughs> Listen, these are these are classic, although hopefully um, our guest hasn't walked after listening to this. Nonsense. Who are? I hope yeah, not. Hopefully not. But no, speaking of a special guest, we are thrilled today to be joined by Melanie Diesel. Melanie is a keynote speaker, author, award-winning branded content creator, and lifelong storyteller. She's the author of the best-selling marketing and business communications book, The Content Fuel Framework, How to Generate Unlimited Story Ideas, and she's also the founder of StoryFuel. And prior to uh, finding uh, StoryFuel, Melanie was the first editor of a brand of content of the New York, New York Times, a founding member of Huff Post's brand storytelling team and served as a director of creative strategy for Time. Um, so without further ado, welcome to Let's Get Social, Melanie Diesel. Thanks for having me. And, you know, I I guessed the answer to the joke and I'm not sure whether I should be proud or, or maybe <laughs> a little concerned. You should be proud, Melanie. That's... I, I was going to say something else, but anyway. Um, so before <laughs> we... Can't me and you, Melanie. That's great. Yep. That's his USP. I'm just going to go with. Um, before we begin, it's great having you here. Um, we like to ask our guests, did the digital giggle work for you or did his ship sink? Or Ooh, it, I think it worked for me. Like I said, I, I guessed. So I think that means, you know, this one was was on the same wavelength for sure. What to say? We are now, myself and Melanie are great buddies. So oh, thank okay. you. Thank you, Melanie. Okay. That, that's, she, that's, might, that's, she might say later, later on. Probably, she might yeah. think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But listen, Melanie, it is it's great to have you here with us. Um, and I suppose we're so interested to dive in um, because obviously your experience, uh, not only with the book, but everything that you've done with your own, I suppose, experience with storytelling and content um, is fantastic. And I suppose to lead off for the audience that listens to us who are um, SME businesses, entrepreneurs, etc. You know, in your opinion, is content marketing in 2021 going into 2022, is it still a powerful tool for businesses to use and should they be embracing it? 
I think it's absolutely still a powerful tool. I think so much of what we do as marketers is actually under that umbrella of content marketing. Mm, yeah. um, you know, you could think of your your email as content marketing. Some of your PR may come across as content marketing in some iterations. You know, what we're doing on social in many ways is content marketing as well. Mm. And, you know, I think essentially as long as we still want to communicate with our customers which i presume is is kind of a core function for most of us yeah. uh, i think content marketing is going to continue to be valuable um, i do think that you know there was a time especially a few years ago where it was sort of looked at as the the golden egg the silver bullet that you know content marketing will save us all and i think we've hopefully come to a place that's slightly more realistic in understanding that it can be a very powerful part of a marketing mix and mm. and when it's chosen strategically you know can do a really good job for achieving certain goals that we may have in marketing it may not be right for everything uh, but it can be a part of a powerful marketing mix yeah i think um i think it's a very wise point you make because as myself and Emer always say there's no point creating lovely content if you're just going to post and ghost as they say as in yeah you know not engaging with the community you know not trying to build those relationships um so yeah i think so i think it has to have a it has to have i suppose a there should be a reason as to why you're doing it and then to not forget about you know the relationship aspect of, of oh yeah yeah but yeah. then there i was going to say there are people out there that kind of maybe don't know exactly what they should be doing um when it comes to content marketing actually that would be actually a good one to sort of ask you about is like mistakes that you'd see businesses make when mm. it comes to content marketing what should they do to fix them or avoid making them in the first place yeah like, i, think I would a, take it i was going to say like social media jokes are probably not a really good handle <laughs> Well, Melanie I don't know. got us. Melanie got us. I, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm going to have to fall on the side of pro social media jokes on this. Oh, one. okay. We'll see. It's not right for everyone, you know. Yeah. But there then, you go, Philip. Not right for everyone. Who right? said you were my target audience? Welcome yeah, to Tesco Social with me, Philip, and me, Melanie. Good morning, <laughs> <Emer>. <laughs> oh know? man, yeah. But I mean, it, if, as long as it's on brand, I think jokes are great, right? As long yeah. as that's uh, in keeping with what your audience loves and. Mm -hmm. and your guests, I guess. And so you're, you're a win on that front. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it can be tough to know what you should be doing. And I think some of the most common, um, the most common mistakes are, are almost more mindset than execution. So one thing that I see a lot that, that breaks my heart is that people will feel, uh, almost too intimidated or too overwhelmed to create content in the first place, because they feel this tremendous amount of pressure that, everything has to be perfect or I need to be on every platform, you know, six oh, yeah. times a day and I can't do that. So I'm not going to bother. Or, you know, they feel some sort of imposter syndrome. They look at other experts who, you know, may have a large following or other businesses mm -hmm. that have a large following and think, well, if I don't have Coca-Cola budget or, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, Oprah level name recognition, then maybe this isn't for me. And so, mm -hmm. That first mistake, I think, is is a big one because it keeps so many people from from telling stories and from creating content and connecting yeah. with their audience. So the important thing to remind folks is it's really just a matter of choosing where you're going to focus your attention and, and doing it in a way that's realistic for you. 
in an ideal world, would you be on every single social platform that your audience is on and, and posting daily? Sure. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, we're still not living in an ideal world. And as such, you, you can choose the place where you think you'll have the most impact and, and spend your time there. Focus your attention on the platform or maybe one or two platforms that are really natural for you, that allow you to have that good connection with your audience. And then as it becomes easier and faster and you're, you're more able to build, you know, add on additional platforms from there because, you know, the next mistake is, is burnout where people mm -hmm. do try to dive in and do everything and they get overwhelmed. And this yeah. is why we see, you know, so many accounts that have, what is what was it? Post and ghost. And then they disappear yeah. for months at a time or, mm -hmm. you know, a wonderful YouTube channel that just suddenly goes radio silent. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't want you to be in that position of, of feeling burnt out. So start small, start with what's realistic for you and build from there, I think is, is the best way for you to avoid either the the paralyzing fear of having to do it all uh, or the, the crushing, uh, crushing burnout of having tried to do it all. And maybe, as you say, you know, uh, you don't have to be getting up there and doing video. You could be writing maybe a blog or, yeah. you know, it's how you solve your audience's uh, problems. Uh, you are the solution and, and do it in a way that you're comfortable. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it's kind of an intersection of, of three key things. It's what do you have the skills and the comfort of, of doing, right? So mm -hmm. for me, like I'm a writer, so I'm always going to default to writing when I can because that's where I'm most, uh, most productive, most comfortable, uh, and most confident. So you want to factor that in. Mm -hmm. um, but you also want to think about where your audience is and, and what your audience likes, because if I like to write, or I like to be on Twitter and my audience doesn't, well, then I'm going to have a bit of a problem there. There's a bit of a gap, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing is, again, just being realistic about your resources. I may love video. My audience may love video. But if I don't have the equipment or I don't have the time to record video or, you know, you know, I'm not, it's not something I'm able to, to put the, the time and resources toward learning, then that may not be the right fit for me. So combining that, what your love and comfort is, what your audience's love and comfort is, and then what's realistic for you to achieve and, and build from there. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Right. Like, you'll start, but you won't continue. Yeah. I think I think you raise a very interesting point as well, Melanie, about imposter syndrome, because I think an awful lot of business owners or people who want to get started on social, they, they unfortunately will tend to use reference points of people who are either the super kind of social media mm -hmm. influencers or leaders in their space. Um, you know, for example, in social media, everybody's heard of Gary Vaynerchuk mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they'll be on his Instagram feed or whatever. And they'll see he literally has 3 million posts and like all different types of formats. And um, it's suddenly, well, I can never do that. So I just won't start. Mm -hmm. But as you said, you know, if, if you're connected to your audience and they understand what you're about, that one post or two posts a week that brings your personality coming forward um, will make a real resonation for them because it's it's you and your audience, etc. So I think mm. I think that is and that is linked to that burnout piece that you mentioned, Melanie, you know, that kind mm. of, you know, sometimes less is more. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I think quality more than quantity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Like. I suppose kind of leading on to say maybe businesses maybe are listening today are thinking about either starting to get better at content or maybe embracing it more. I want to relook 
you know, how important do you feel it is to have something like a, a content strategy in place, you know, um, and, you know, how should a business go about simply creating one just to get started? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot, there are a lot of opinions and a lot of different ways that you could put together a content strategy, um, you know, and if you're interested in, in creating something that's really in-depth, it might be worth working with, you know, a, a partner or a consultant or, or some expert who can help you put that together. And there's also lots of templates out there if you want to build from there. Yeah. Um, but I think the real key thing, regardless of what form or how long or how intense your content strategy is, is just understanding the purpose of what you're doing. In so many ways, your content strategy is really just making you think critically about what are we creating and why, and how does that further our broader business goals? Because I think, you know, like you mentioned, you see these folks like, again, like Gary Vee, who's on every platform 40 times a day. Mm -hmm. It's really tempting to just start doing it and think that that's going to help you with your business goals. And it's important to remember that everyone you see is doing what's right for their business and their goals and their audience. So when you're creating a content strategy, again, regardless of whether it's, you know, notes scribbled on a napkin, because that's what's accessible for you, or whether it's a, a fully fledged, you know, highly documented multi-page situation, uh, it really comes down to understanding what is it that we're going to be doing? Why are we doing that? How are we going to measure it? And how does all of this activity contribute to our broader goals, either as an organization or, you know, if you're an influencer, as an individual, mm. just making sure that it's not content for content's sake, but that there's actual business purpose yeah. uh, in the work that you're doing. And it can be tied back to the broader things that you care about, because the goal is not really just to get followers or get views. Like, I mean, it can be as a, as a secondary goal, but that alone doesn't keep your lights on that doesn't keep your yes. business alive yeah. it's it's got to be bigger than that and so i think you know the the act of creating a content strategy in whatever form or whatever depth is mostly an exercise in understanding the purpose of what you're doing yeah i totally agree i think um i think as uh, simon sinek with his fabulous book says you know kind of know your why you know the, the the why around doing things um you know why are we on twitter why are we posting that blog why are we doing that video and why are we here exactly well <laughs> to listen to my joke Emer, you know so i thought you knew that that's true i thought that was the million dollar question is like why are we here <laughs> you know, um, um but no it's it's very true i think um I think if business took a step back and looked at all the content they're producing and critically reviewed it as to, well, why did we do that? You know, um, but then that's not half the battle and the half the fun, like, you know, yeah. figuring out, you know, uh, some things you put up and you go, well, that went great or something else you put up and it's, it why that was a bad move, <laughs> it, it you know, <laughs> you know, because that's the whole point. You've got to, you have to look and see what's working. And yeah. you, yeah. what's not working? Yeah. Well, and don't be don't be afraid for things to not work. You know, professional athletes still miss their shots sometimes. You know, the the only way to to get better is to get out there and keep trying things. So, especially if you're just starting out or you're trying something new, you know, you're probably going to have a, a few stinkers before you before you yeah. really that, get that things. That sounds working. like somebody I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do I know them? <laughs> Sorry about this, man. Oh. I mean, normally humor is very nice. Oh. You, uh, you know, so. Actually, yeah, just uh, before we move on to the next question, um, Melanie, something that myself and Emer often ask our guests when it comes to social or I suppose when it comes to content marketing or mm. the, the proliferation of both and, and trying to see results, how important is it for, based on your experience, for business owners to have patience? 
that this is not literally going to happen. Oh, we post that blog and now it's going to go viral. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, uh, I know it's trite. We, we hear it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint is, mm-hmm. is kind of a phrase used really often. But I mean, this is a skill just like anything. And so if you are just starting out and this is your first time using this skill, you know, all the folks that you see who are the greats, they've got practice. They've gotten a lot of reps. They've tried a lot of different things that did and didn't work and learned from that. You know, we're very lucky to live in an age where we can shortcut some of that by by consuming what others have have created and, you know, reading advice or, or thought leadership tutorials. There's there's a lot out there to help you get ahead. Uh, but still, you know, it's uh, it may be a hard truth, but we're not going to be amazing at everything as soon as we start it. You know, there is definitely a learning curve and, you know, there's a learning curve for our audience, too. You know, I, I like to remind people, too, that you know, some of our favorite TV shows that kind of are the go-to examples, things like, you know, Game of Thrones, for example, yeah. you know, the, the raving fandom wasn't there day one, you know, it took, mm. it took seasons of building, uh, of development, of trying things, of, you know, community building for it to have the status that it has now. And so you want to give your audience that chance to grow and learn to love you too, and, and tell their friends and all that's mm. not going to happen in one day. Yeah, no, true. I mean, that's why I keep saying to Philip, God loves a Twyford, you know, just keep going. <laughs> I tell you, yeah. My name is John Snowweamer. <laughs> I'm going to the wall. I'm going to the wall because of my, my um, uh, let Moving along, Philip. Moving okay, along. Okay, huh? <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, you came out with a, an amazing book, the, the Contel Fuel framework that that is actually a mouthful of itself trying to say that yeah, a tough um, script this week now <laughs> yeah no that is um you, you re- received so much praise um on the effect effectiveness of your system for generating content ideas how does a business start to come up with content content ideas for the business is it like you know the day-to-day behind the scenes working out how they're going forward and sharing that with their with their their customer or you know um do they have to say oh right we're going to go on video today or we're going to you know um sit down and we're going to put out a blog with our frequently asked questions mm-hmm. I mean, what I think- is it yeah, what, what happens most of the time is we think format first. So we're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, record a video or mm-hmm. write a blog. Um, but it's actually more important to take a step back and think about what, you know, we just talked about purpose with regards to strategy, you know, purpose with regards to each piece of content. What is it that we're trying to share? What are we trying to convey to our audience? What value are we trying to bring? Mm-hmm. And then once you know what that is, what's the story or the message or the goal, then you could figure out the best way to bring it to life. And I think a lot of times we default to choosing a category. You know, we're, we're going to create an Instagram post or a video or an infographic. And we think that that alone is a content idea, but it's really just half of it. It's just the way that that idea comes to life. You still need mm-hmm. something to say inside of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the first place to start is to think about what are those things that I want to share? What What's the, the information I want to convey to my audience? What are the emotions that I want to try to make them feel? Once we're clear on our message, the rest of it becomes a lot easier. So again, it might come down, as you say, down to the reason and the audience, because, you know, every bit, you know, depending on what kind of business you're in, say you run, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, a bakery, Philip, (laughs) you're... (laughs) 
You're not speaking, Melanie, but can't beg <laughs> yeah, so. to save my life. Um, <laughs> but I'm thinking like, you know, if you were, you, you want to sort of, you know, you're coming up to the season, it's Christmas is coming, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd start to build up, you know, um, putting out some nice treats and showing people how you make those nice treats mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even put up the recipe or something, you know, or something thereabouts. That I think is sort of, again, what, what what's going to interest your audience and what will want them to come back and mm-hmm. engage more. Yeah. yeah. So the re- sort of reverse engineering there, I would say, is if we have a particular treat that is either maybe it's we want people to know, like, this is very beautiful. This is something you can, mm. you know, give as a gift or bring to a party. Yeah. Well, then we're going to want to say, OK, let's how can we showcase that visually? It's very mm-hmm. important that we have visuals for that. So maybe we should try video. Maybe mm-hmm. we make them and we do a photo shoot. Um you know, we, we can think about the, the different ways we can bring that visual to life. Mm. But if what we're trying to talk about is maybe not how, del- uh, you know, how beautiful it is, but how much, how great it tastes, it mm-hmm. may not be as important to have so much of a visual element because we're not talking about a visual characteristic. So, you know, when it comes to baked goods, I think visuals just in general are always pretty good because it makes us yeah. hungry. Um, but, you know, it's important to think about what the what the goal is you know if you're talking about how fast your delivery of those treats are well you probably don't need visuals for that that can be something done through text or Mm. through a map that shows your delivery range and how fast it you can deliver to those different ranges right so really coming back to that message what is it that we're trying to share here um what is it that we're trying to convey that'll allow you to make the best choice for for how to tell that story yeah yeah no 100 and like i always kind of i always feel as well that what trips some businesses up when they're trying to come up with content ideas is that they, they, they don't look inward to their business about maybe content they already created and could, yeah. could they repurpose, repurpose it. you know, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, that, because sometimes there's a bit of a, I don't know if you come across this, Melanie, with people you work with, that there's almost like this, um, this kind of fallacy to a certain extent that every piece of content we create has to be a hundred percent new, mm. has to be new as opposed to, we have all this evergreen content that that we could or this like this time last year we were we launched yes, exactly, this exactly, exactly. and mm-hmm. then you want to say oh and uh, we're bringing it out again or it's a new mm. it's a new version or you know that kind of thing yeah there's yeah. there's so much uh content hidden in in your archives the things you've already done mm. but also hidden in your day-to-day i mean there are things you are doing every single day in the mm. course of your job that it doesn't even require any additional work. You just need to capture it and you have mm-hmm. content. Yeah. You know, great example would be if you are communicating with customers via email, my guess is they're asking questions that other folks want to know the answers to. And you've already written the answer out. So why not turn that into a piece of content? You know, just because you sent an yeah. email doesn't mean only that one person should get to benefit from the explanation or the the assistance. It might be worth a blog post on how to solve that problem or yeah. you're already going to be creating those cookies so you know why not set up a camera and do a time lapse of you just cooking the cookies you need to make anyway so there's a uh, lot of opportunities to sort of mine your everyday life as you're working in your business well they could be waiting a whole year for me to be baking those cookies <laughs> yeah absolutely but uh but I know I'm thinking of cookies. I've lost my bit of thought. Thankfully, I'm starving now. <laughs> um, you, you, uh, in your in your book, the uh, the content fuel framework, Melanie. You you went into something that 
we we thought was really fascinating. This formula around a content idea that involves focus plus format, and you've identified 10 focuses and 10 plus formats. Would you maybe just give us a, a sort of a, a broad overview of what you were exploring there? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the formula, the focus plus format is really how we want to think about a content idea in and of itself. Mm. I mentioned before that just a format such as video or, you know, article is not a fully formed content idea. It's really only half of the equation. So thinking of a content idea as both a focus and a format helps you to make sure that when you're coming up with a piece of content that you've got both of those bases covered. What are we going to say and how are we going to say it? Mm. That's really the goal of of that formula. And then in the book, I walked through, as you said, 10 different focuses, 10 different formats to give you sort of a weapons in your arsenal to say, you know, we've got uh, different options for each of these fields. And so we can create up to a hundred different combinations just by choosing some of these 10 that we already know and love. So just to give some, some tangible examples uh, of what a focus could be, um, You've got these, we, I mean, we've already given the cookie example. I guess this is just where we're going. We're, we're, uh, you've got the these, uh, the holidays are coming and you're doing yeah. the holiday cookies. Um, you could do that story through the lens of people. People is one of the focuses. So who's the person who makes those cookies and why is that recipe so special? And how long have they been making that particular cookie for your establishment? And yeah. maybe you find a customer who gets them every year, who looks forward to it. And, you know, these particular cookies, these are the sign that, you know, that the holidays are here, um, telling it purely through the lens of the people who are associated with that story. But you could also tell it through history. How long have you made these cookies? Are these these particular holiday cookies, are they part of your brand? When mm. when did the recipe uh, first be introduced? You know, how many have you sold over time? Uh, just looking at it purely through a historical lens. Mm -hmm. You could also do it as a process, which we hinted at earlier. So mm. process-focused content walks you through a process from start to finish. So mm -hmm. that could be the recipe or the time-lapse video uh, of you making the cookies. So it's all still content about those cookies that, you know, that's what we want to convey to our audience. You know, mm. look at these awesome holiday cookies we've got, but we could tell it through the lens of people, or mm. we could use the the focus of, of history, use the focus of process to tell that story in different ways. So that's that first half. That's the uh, that's the the focus, and then you combine whichever focus you choose, or or focuses. You could choose more than one mm -hmm. with a different format. Uh, you know, we can. Uh, formats are, are the ones that are more familiar to us. So this is like um, written content, video, infographics, uh, audio, things mm -hmm. like that. So mm -hmm. once you know what your focus is, like we mentioned before, it becomes much easier to know which format is going to be best to bring that to life. Yeah. Really yeah, nice. I think that's actually a nice, simple way of looking it at is. it. It's very clever, you know? like, cause especially with something because we're on cookies and I am improving <laughs> now. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, ladies. <laughs> um, like you could you can imagine because I suppose the power of the power of that user generated content whereby as a as a as a focus and a format, you know, getting your your community to maybe take your cookie recipe and create their mm. own and that whole competition. Oh, yeah. Thing. And then they actually uh, maybe tag you and put exactly, it up on Instagram and, and up, then, so, yeah. you know, and it could be a competition. Then yes. that could be another one. Yeah. So uh, so I, that's such a, I think it's such a it's such a brilliantly simple, but so powerful kind of mm. formula you've come up with there, Melanie, that I think I think makes real clarity for businesses. Um, 
you know, by just taking what's the focus and the format, and we have different ways of combining those. Uh, it's brilliant. And it makes you know, take it take a little bit less stress off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. And we mentioned briefly uh, repurposing your content. It's also helpful in that context because if you have something that is about a specific thing, you have your focus chosen, and you used one format last time. Well, now you can bring that same story to life in a new format, mm-hmm. and you've already got the story, uh, but perhaps you extract. Uh, images from the video and now you've got an image gallery or you extract the audio from the video and now you've got an episode of of a podcast or something Mm, yeah perfect so there from one i'm off i'm off to bake now you know (laughs) don't poison everybody thanks very much that's great support you know um actually continuing on this thought process of you know content and high repurposing and all the rest um because it i time is money isn't that what they say mm-hmm. you know you you've mentioned in your book um about the concept of content multipliers can you tell us what these are and how they can enhance your content marketing Definitely. So this is another one of those little tips and tricks you can use to kind of make this whole process faster and less stressful and hopefully get to what's working even faster. So a content multiplier is something you can use to turn one successful content idea into several other derivative ideas. So just as an example, because, you know, this is this is what we're doing. We're going all in on the cookies. Um, you've you've released your uh, your holiday cookie recipe. Um, we're we're multiplying with chocolate now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. yes. I think everything is better multiplied by chocolate. I don't think you can go wrong there. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> you've released your cookie recipe and everyone is loving it. It's it's getting so much traffic, it's getting engagement, and they're posting all of their photos uh, for the contest of, of the cookies they're making. Mm-hmm. However, you realize that not everyone can make the recipe as it is. So you create different versions of it. Here's a version with no nuts. Here's a version with no gluten. Here's mm-hmm. a version of the recipe uh, if you don't have a hand mixer. Here's a version with no dairy, right? So it's oh. the same recipe, but you've adapted it slightly to help that same concept reach a broader audience. Okay. So in, in that right. case, is that's a multiplier by resource. We're changing one of the elements involved in the story uh, in the piece of content. And so it's it's largely the same, but it has some adaptation to the elements involved that makes it you know easier and more approachable for people. That's clever. Very clever. There you go, um, Philip. Yeah, I'm trying to think how I could apply that to my, my jokes, Melanie. Maybe um, <laughs> might say, just don't tell them, and you'll reach. Yeah, let's subscri- <laughs> subscri- uh, subscribe. Sorry, I can't say it today. Minus, minus, minus. Yeah. Subtract. Um, um, but it is. It is. It's actually interesting because, it, uh, as I say, like you know, there are people out there, and you know, the, the theory angle and all that kind of thing probably just overwhelm them. But when you put yeah. it into simple terms like that, mm. they can go off and say, right, okay, I can do that with a certain product I have or even a certain service that could actually, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, it makes a huge amount of sense. And yeah. uh, as you said, Melanie, by by taking that same core piece of content, like our, our cookies, as you mentioned, if, if there's people in your community who are lactose intolerant or mm-hmm. are vegans or... Um, and you'd like, win more of an audience then. Exactly, yeah. And people who don't drink dairy, well, you can make this with, with coconut milk. Or whatever it might be, and mm-hmm. suddenly you're tapping to them. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's that's very clever. And once again, I think it um, by using that concept of a multiplier and the, I suppose, 
that kind of formula piece about folks and format, I think it's starting to allow businesses and individuals to suddenly get rid of the the smoke when it comes to creating content that suddenly mm. it's not as complex as you think that a couple of simple little pivots and directions, you know, you, you can have something really worthwhile. And plus actually you might put something out and then, oh my God, it, it is like the best thing ever. And you go, well, if I hadn't changed that, I hadn't yeah. tried it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, like another element that sometimes businesses forget, and we'd be interested to get your your opinion on this, Melanie, is the, um, I suppose, the value of employing, I suppose, tactics like content curation, you know, about, mm. um, and would you have, like, I know I use Feedly um, as, as a potential tool. Is there other kind of tools that you've come across? But I suppose, ultimately, do you see it as, as a valuable kind of tool to use curating content? Yeah. Absolutely, without a doubt. So we we mentioned one use case for that the uh, the user generated content. Mm-hmm. It's a really great way for you to engage with your audience mm-hmm. to, to whether it's resharing or featuring them or just you know engaging with that content, curating it into a best of you know mm-hmm. again our cookie recipe. Maybe we have the best uh, you know we do the best. Uh, photos that were submitted by our users. And then mm-hmm. again, we're going to multiply it. So we could do the best photos submitted by kids, submitted by families, submitted yeah. by, you know, whoever else. Yeah. Uh, we could do it by region, submitted in the North and the West and the East, uh, you know, in the South. Um, so, yeah, I mean, curating content really allows you to, to not only save yourself time, uh, but also save your audience time. Because many cases when we're curating content, we're really using almost an editor's mind, right? To say, there's a lot of stuff out there, but we've curated some some stuff specially selected for you. We've saved some of that effort of figuring out what the best gifts are or the best recipes are or our best posts from the last few months or we're coming to that time of year. So we're going to start to see a lot of year-end roundups, right? Our best pieces of 2021 or yeah. best moments of 2021. Here's the best recipes, the most watched videos, right? This is the, the time of year where curation is just, uh, it's it's leading the pack, and so as long as what you're doing is is actually providing value to your audience by putting things together and, and saving them the time of having to go find them, it's a really really valuable way for you to add value to your audience without having to create unique content. And it also gives you a chance. You know, we gave the example of our best content of 2021. You can give your stuff a, a second chance at life. You know, there's a lot of content you've created over this last year that mm-hmm. maybe didn't get the attention it needed. Maybe it coincided with a busy time of year or a mm-hmm. big news event sort of stole the attention. Like now's your chance to to bring it back to the spotlight and say, here were our our you know our favorite episodes of the year or the most downloaded episodes or here's six episodes about Twitter that you should listen to. Here's six about Facebook that you should listen to. You know, mm-hmm. it gives you a chance to to resurface your best stuff uh, and put it in the context of a collection. Yeah. I was going to say is say you are come back to the bakery. You could uh, maybe have a uh, share out. Uh, maybe one of your suppliers uh, mm-hmm. that has yeah. like, you know, uh, you get your coffee from mm-hmm. or your honey from or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then you're supporting them and it shows you actually who you get your products and ingredients from and all yes. that kind of thing. And I'm sure that would be another angle, wouldn't it? Mm, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, and and the other thing that's great is it doesn't even have to be 
that tightly connected to to you and your products and your suppliers. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. could do a roundup of, you know, here's the best beverages that go well with our uh, with our cookies. You know, and mm-hmm. those don't even have to be, you know, your your suppliers or your company. It could be a, a local coffee roaster. You know, a local farmer yeah. that makes eggnog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could you could really mix it up and. Mm-hmm. I think that works really well, especially if you're selling accessories or apparel. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always that need to to combine with other products, to match, to coordinate. Uh, you know, to build an outfit with a you know the the get the look kind of <laughs> approach yeah. that we see in women's yeah. magazines very often. Mm-hmm. So by curating things that go with that match that you know are compatible, uh, again, you're saving your audience the trouble of having to go figure out which ones are going to work well together. Yeah. And then you become the one-stop shop and they won't go anywhere else. That's right. That's it. 100%. Maybe I should start doing that for my jokes. <laughs> no. You're laughing, Melanie. Is, is laughing, <laughs> I agree. Or he's actually hoping he's to. He, what, he actually, his dream is actually to have his own box of Christmas crackers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what if you put the jokes on the cookies? Yep. Well, there we go. Emer, start baking and I'll start getting the Okay, I'll go stick in the oven now. I guess <laughs> um, the only problem is it might burn the house down. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I think people sometimes think, oh, where do you start, you know, uh, when it comes to creating content? And maybe to start with, it might take a little pressure, as you were saying, is content curation or finding someone else's content that yes. will interest your audience. Yeah, it's also... Of, of all the ways to kind of create content for your audience, it's typically one of the cheapest too, because mm-hmm. if you are tight on resources, tight on time, mm-hmm. you know, collecting different items is is typically a lot faster than creating that many of them yourself, you know? So yeah. uh, it gives you a chance yeah, to, to spotlight your partners, to provide value to your audience. But if you're not in a, in a season of your business where you can create a ton of content, you know, maybe you've already done your baking for the season or, you know, it's not your your holiday cookie season anymore or you've run out yeah. of ingredients, then, mm-hmm. you know, curating other related content is a really good way to help fill that gap in your count- content calendar. Yeah. And of course, the other angle, and Philip's always into this, I'm just going to say joke telling, no, storytelling um, <laughs> has become such a key part of content marketing. Um, and in your book, you've given some really great advice on how to approach depending on a certain focus. So whether it's leading with data, which Philip's really into, or focusing on a product, what tips would you give when it comes to storytelling? Is it, I know there's a start, a middle and an end. I'm not, you know, <laughs> but it's, we're, okay, do you just start at the start of that? I mean, goodness, there's so many different ways you can approach it. Um, my best advice, truthfully, is to try out a few different ones and see what your audience connects with, because, mm-hmm. you know, what works for one audience may not work for another. Um, I think it it really comes down to, to understanding what's going to showcase that message best. And so, you know, if, if you've decided you're wanting to show the growth of the company, well, mm-hmm. then the chronological order might be great. You want to start with how small things were and, and then start to show your different accomplishments, your achievements, all the different growth milestones that, mm-hmm. that you hit and, and be able to pull all of those together. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas maybe the chronological order might be just a little too bland uh, for something like your about page of your site or, you know, more introductory information. People might want to start with the present because that's what they know and then work backward from there. Um, so the the approach that you take, the elements of the story are those are I don't want to say less important. They're very important. Um, but I think when you know what you're trying to achieve with your story, I think the the rest of it kind of seems to fall into place. There's there's an instinct about what works right when you know uh, the destination you're trying to get to. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd agree very much. I think, um, like, certainly, I myself personally, I always seem to resonate towards content where I can get an understanding of where a person or a company has come from or is going to yeah. what they believe in. You know, like I always resonate as well, where I find out more about the people, the story behind the people in the companies. Oh, yeah. um, Especially so, if they're like a, a maybe a new company and yeah, they're, exactly. they're trying to find their feet and, you know, you're you're not too sure, will I buy from them, will I not? But if you find out that they, you know, they they were started in their garage, you know, mm, or yeah. or the kitchen table. Um, like, I don't know if you have this over um, in the States, Melanie, but like some of the, I suppose, the the main supermarket chains over mm-hmm. here, they'll sometimes use kind of TV ads. And yes, we know they're TV ads, et cetera, but it, mm. it does give a nice kind of feedback like this one. I think it could be for one of the the the, the supermarkets um, whereby they they showcase the story of this family that they they essentially grow the carrots. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and you get the background about the family history and all that, and how long they've been doing it and supplying it, and and then drilling down to the the family, you know, sitting on the table eating carrot cake and stuff, you know, um, and it sort of just gives cookies, you a, cookies and carrot cake. Carrot cake. I'm absolutely <laughs> ravenous now at this stage. <laughs> so, um, but no, I think it does work. I think I think that power of of, of story and understanding kind of really. Yeah. Um, it makes content come alive and plus it makes it stand out as well i think you mm. know yeah very much so because then you're not seen as faceless you know it's mm. yes um 100 percent. and i think people people focus content you know that is uh the first uh focus that i run through in the book because i think people focused content is is some of the most relatable out there uh you know we can show people a recipe or a, a process or you know all the data about our mm. company but those are really difficult for people to connect with on sort of a deeper emotional level. Uh, when we see content that features people, it's a human instinct to try to identify similarities and differences when we see people like that. Oh, I, I also have a dog or, oh, wow, I've got two kids as well. Or, oh, I went to that same high school. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Mm, it does. Um, it's so relatable. So, you know, when they're showing the family that grows the carrots, there's this element of, oh, I remember when I used to garden with my grandfather when I was a child or, uh, you know, oh, I've got overalls just like those. You know, Mm -hmm. there's just that so many invitations and opportunities to see yourself in the the people that are featured in these stories. It it just makes for a much deeper connection. Like, I suppose it's interesting then, I suppose, obviously with that sort of the power of obviously people focus content to a certain extent mm. that we we can create that sort of sense of I can relate to them has seen I suppose how powerful video as a piece of content has has been um like apart from video though because obviously not everybody is comfortable on video do you believe businesses should embrace and consider some other forms of content that maybe have been put to the wayside like their email list or or whatever yeah, I think there's there's almost an endless number of ways you could tell a story. I mean, I, I focused on 10 that were, I think, a combina- good combination of, of really common and approachable, like writing or, uh, or photos, for example. And then some that are a little more unique and, and maybe you hadn't considered before, like a, a map or a timeline. Yeah. 
And, you know, I think a good mix is great to keep people engaged. Uh, we like variety. Uh, we like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we like to try new things and, and um, the trends of what folks like to consume is, is always evolving, right? There's always something new you can try. Right now, it seems to be uh, AR and VR and NFTs and, you know, goodness, there's so many new, uh, new media forms coming out all the time. Um, but yeah, really, it's it's all going to be an experiment of seeing what is working for you, what is working for your audience. And some of the most creative uh, content that I've seen, it comes out in a form that I never would have thought of or guessed. I've seen, uh, you know, small businesses make... Um, you know, scripts for a certain scenario. Here's how to have this conversation uh, with your family this season or how to convince them to let you bring more cookies to the, the holiday party, even though they're trying to eat healthy, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen coloring books. I've, I mean, goodness, there's so many different ways you can bring a story to life, but mm-hmm. it's easiest to figure out what's going to be best if you start with that focus first and you're really clear on your idea, because if you're not clear on what it is that you're trying to say, you'll gravitate naturally toward the things that you're already doing, the Mm -hmm. things that you're comfortable with, the things that are already really common in your strategy. So starting with that focus gives you a chance to to branch out, to try new things. Except things like TikTok and (laughs) Instagram reels and... (laughs) Philip knows where I'm going with this. In other words, I'm not going there. (laughs) She don't do video, Melanie. (laughs) It's not a content uh, platform I'm not comfortable with yet, but um, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Well, the good thing, yeah, and I'm sure you're not alone in that. I think video, although I would say that the, the, bar has been lowered a bit over the last two years as we've all learned how to do a lot of different things, you know, uh, yeah. virtually and on video. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the pressure is a bit lower, I would say. But I think there's a lot of people who find it intimidating that it seems like a big production or it's expensive or scary or they're worried about microphones and lenses and it feels it feels a little scary. So this is always my reminder that if there happens to be a gap between the type of content you like to create mm-hmm. and the type of content you need to create or that your audience wants you to create, that you can fill that with either talent or tools. You can use talent or tools to help you fill that gap. So find someone who loves video, who can turn your written content into awesome videos or find a tool that lets you, you know, compile stock footage and put that over your own narration because you just don't want to be seen. There's a lot of ways to fill those gaps if you do find one. So talent and tools are usually the the two best options. I like that that last uh, idea you had, like, you know, stock video and then maybe you narrating over something that could be uh, an easier route, you know. That's the starting one for you, Okay. Yeah. Well, New Year. I said New that year. last year. You did. Yeah. <laughs> well, this time. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. You know, uh, man, this has been an absolutely amazing chat. Um, Thank you. You know, we, I think we could do another hour or two, Philip, couldn't we? It we just it, there's so going, many yeah. facets <laughs> to talk about. You know, content and content marketing and all that kind of thing. Where can people learn more about you, Melanie, and maybe get their hands on your lovely book, The Content Feel well, Framework? <laughs> the good news is that the, the book is available uh, in most online retailers. So, you know, Barnes & Noble, Amazon and others. Right. Um, it's available as an ebook as well as an audio book. Mm-hmm. If you, for some reason, want to listen to me for a couple more hours, uh, you're you're welcome to check out the audio book. Awesome. Um, Great. Yeah, my 
my website is storyfuel.co. So story, F-U-E-L dot C-O. And that's really your, your sort of central clearinghouse. So you'll find the information about uh, me and my company and the speaking that I do. There's lots of information about the book. You can mm-hmm. find all my social links there. That is, that is really your, your home base, storyfuel.co. Great. I was going to say, are you back out on the, on the events uh, doing speaking or is it still I, quite a slow process? It's, it's, there's still quite a bit, you know, because there's so many different, uh, different states with different regulations and, and, mm. you know, countries are handling things differently. Mine is still uh, majority virtual, uh, but I have had just one. I've gone out once and done it in person. Uh, right. It was nice, nice to be back on a stage, but yeah. It'll, it'll be nice once things calm down and, you know, it's a bit safer in the long term for everybody to be back yeah. in person. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, once again, Melanie, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been great chatting with you and to get your insights. And if you enjoyed today's show, you can catch it again and the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and of course on the Dublin South FM website. So do please do download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And all that is left to say is I've been Philip Twyford, the Curly Marketer. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media. And we'll see you again soon for more Let's Get Social. See you then. Bye. (laughs)